Our first reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set off and went from village to village preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. The second reading is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In this morning's prayers of intercession, we focus on worldwide concerns, in particular the febrile atmosphere and worrying tensions surrounding current international affairs, and also the ongoing and increasing persecution of Christians in so many parts of the world. We will also be praying for concerns closer to home. Dear Lord, we pray for the many Christians overseas, particularly in countries where the opposition faced is constant and relentless, and which in many areas is growing and intensifying. We thank you for the courage of those who stand firm in the face of ridicule and persecution, and for the many families left to mourn the death of loved ones who've made the ultimate sacrifice. We thank you for the dedication of the many Christian organizations bringing hope and practical relief to the persecuted church, and for the financial and prayer support that means so much to our fellow Christians many living in constant fear and enduring levels of poverty, harassment and danger that we can scarcely imagine or comprehend. We pray particularly this morning for Pastor Wang, a Christian pastor arrested 
by the Chinese authorities more than three months ago on trumped-up charges of subversion. We remember especially his wife and family, and also his church family, all struggling to cope in his absence and wondering what the future holds as Pastor Wang continues to languish in custody, not knowing if or when he will be formally tried and sentenced. Many Christian leaders working in lands that are implacably opposed to Christianity face similar opposition and suffering, as do their families and members of their often very small Christian groups and communities. May they be sustained and given the strength to cope with whatever challenges they have to face, knowing that the eternal God is indeed their refuge and that underneath are the everlasting arms. In praying, dear Lord, for the persecuted church, we ask that your Holy Spirit will bring about a great spiritual awakening in the coming days and that eyes and hearts may be opened to the gospel message. We pray especially this morning for those from Muslim backgrounds who are reported to be turning to Christ in increasing numbers, but who frequently face persecution and hatred from within their own families and communities. We thank you for the positive and encouraging news that sometimes reaches us from these outwardly dire situations. Most recently, um, the amazing account of a group of more than 70 Christians in northern Nigeria, captured by Boko Haram and about to be executed, when their captors fled in terror from what they described as strange beings in white, some of those fleeing falling dead, such was the impact of what Barnabas Fund has called a miraculous and divine intervention. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would also be very much at work in the wider world, a world where politicians are increasingly seen as self-serving and corrupt, and the political process itself as flawed and unjust. We pray that the Christian voice might be heard and heeded, that the decisions made will be taken with the needs of all and not just the few very much in mind, particularly in the growing concerns for the very future of our planet if early action is not taken to arrest and reverse our careless use of the Earth's resources and to tackle the appalling waste disposal problem that's become a very serious issue. Dear Lord, the world badly needs leaders of vision and wisdom who are able to inspire and to bring about desperately needed changes, awakening in us all a sense of unity, compassion, and a willingness to truly love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray that new leaders will emerge in the coming days, who will introduce enlightened policies to challenge the thinking and actions of so many of the current world leaders. We pray finally, dear Lord, for our own fellowship here at Brighton Road. We place into your hands the many activities that are a regular feature of the life of our church, 
and those who lead and run them. Please help us to be appreciative, encouraging, and supportive of their efforts, and to be understanding when changes sometimes have to be made to the format or frequency of an activity. We pray for the recently concluded Alpha course and the ensuing evening presentations, that those who attended will have been challenged and encouraged to respond positively to the gospel message. We pray too for the work of our many small groups, for PMA, WEF, and for each and every activity that seeks to help and encourage each one of us on our Christian journey, and which for some may be their only contact with the Christian gospel. We remember with thanks those who make all our many church activities possible, those who lead our services week by week, those whose unsung labours help to make the life of our church something to be valued and worthwhile. We pray especially this morning for Michael and Sandra Hogg and their family that in the coming weeks they will be strengthened and encouraged as they prepare for their move to Horsham and as Michael takes up his role as our leader of community outreach and evangelism. Please prepare us to play our part in making them feel at home and warmly welcomed. Finally, in a few moments of quietness, let us remember before God those known to us who are struggling with health, financial, or family concerns, and also those for whom church attendance is no longer possible. We remember especially this morning the families of Sheila Morris and Norman Antill trying to come to terms with the great shock of their recent deaths. And we remember those battling illness and facing surgery or other invasive medical treatment. Please be with each and every one of them and with their loved ones as they battle on. We remember also those known to us who have finished or are finishing exams and will soon be anxiously awaiting the results. Some will be hoping to undergo further education at university or college. Others will be wanting to enter the world of work. Some may still be uncertain as to the course they should follow. We simply pray that they will be guided by you in the choices made and the opportunities that come their way. May they know your presence and guidance as they make important decisions in the coming weeks and months. We bring all these prayers before you, dear Lord, believing that you will hear them and asking that you will answer them in accordance with your divine will and purpose. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Robin. We've thought about the different qualities that God looks for uh, in those who are to share his message. And although 
We are all different and we'll share that message of hope in our own individual way. It seems to me that it's very clear there should be one quality that we have in common, that we should be people of love. And so as we sing just before Michael comes to speak to us, we ask this for each other as we sing, Go Peaceful in Gentleness. Let's stand. Good morning, everyone. I'm uh, very pleased to be able to be uh, again here with you on this occasion and being able to share God's word uh, with you. Uh, Just before I speak uh, on our next part in our series, uh, please allow me again to express uh, my thanks to you as a fellowship. Uh, on behalf of myself myself and my son, Nathaniel, for being so welcoming and hospitable to us. I am very grateful to God uh, for having led me and my family to being a part of Brighton Road Baptist Church 
and we anticipate good things ahead. So in our morning services, as being said, we're exploring the eight characteristics of a healthy church. And uh, this is partly taken from uh, natural uh, church development by a chap called Christian A. Schwartz. And today we're looking at evangelism, or more specifically, need-orientated evangelism. And I'll come on to that in a moment. Schwartz says that there is a difference, um, that's it, oh no, is the uh, slide coming up? Have you not? Okay, we'll do it without the PowerPoint then, okay. I've clicked it on one, so that's, uh, we're not going to sing Tell Out My Soul yet, Uh, uh, I'm sure you won't want me to lead you in that. Um, Okay, so, uh, Schwartz says that there is a difference between programs of evangelism and principles of evangelism. So we could say programs are specific ways of evangelizing uh, that have been successful in one or more churches, but principles of evangelism apply without exception to every church. So this morning we're going to be looking at principles of evangelism, asking where do we do evangelism How do we do evangelism and why do we do evangelism? Now, these questions overlap somewhat, but we're going to start with the last of these. Why do we do evangelism? Now, firstly, I want to define the term I'm using, evangelism, as uh, meaning simply sharing good news uh, by whatever means and to whoever we encounter. So the good news that we share is the gospel. The the gospel, after all, means good news. The gospel about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, fully God, fully human, who chooses to die for each and every one of us. He dies an agonizing death upon the cross, taking our place so that all our wrong can be removed from us and in its place the gracious gift of life and a restored relationship with God. God, the loving Heavenly Father who made each one of us. So this is good news for those who accept Christ Jesus as their Saviour and their Lord. This is the good news of the Kingdom of God with Christ as King over all through his resurrection from the dead and his defeat of death so that we might enjoy life in all its fullness throughout eternity with God, starting even now here on earth. This is the good news of God. Christians have this good news and we can be and share this good news. This is why we do evangelism. Because if it is good news for us, then it is good news for everyone. And if this gospel has made its impact upon our lives 
then we will want to share this good news with others. In fact, Jesus sends his followers out to proclaim that good news to all. So this good news we share. Why? Because we want to and because we are commanded to, we are sent to. This is why we do evangelism. So where do we do evangelism? Well, we are to share that good news of Christ with all whom we are in contact with and come into contact with, wherever they may be and whomever they may be. We are called to go with the gospel. Now, this may involve a literal venturing out into the unknown and can equally involve staying where we are with what and who we do and know. You see, on the one hand, Jesus sent his disciples out and about to proclaim an example the good news through healing and deliverance. The gospel was setting people free. They had instructions, you see, to go to a village. If they were welcomed, they were to stay and to be and to do and to speak the good news of the kingdom of God. And they had power and authority from Jesus himself to evangelize with the gospel in word and deed. They were also later commissioned to go into all the world, empowered by the Spirit of God. So there is a sense in which our evangelism must be done out there, wherever we are sent by Jesus through the Spirit of God. However, can I suggest that we would be mistaken to simply think that being sent out there is only about church initiatives and programs and outreaches and missions that are designed to get us out of our buildings and Sunday services to do mission or to do evangelism. To think simply in these terms that doing an outreach activity or an event is evangelism in its entirety is not the full picture. It is only one small part of the picture. After all, how much time is taken out in what we may label as our church bit of life? Add up your weekly hours. 168 hours we have in a week, a third of which are spent asleep. Some have more than a third, some have less. We are left with 112 hours. How many of these hours do you spend, if we can call it, as the church bit? A few, no doubt. Sunday morning, evening service, house group, one or more activities during the week, a meeting here and there, 12 to 15 hours, more for some, less for others. We're left with 95 to 100 hours still to use. 
See, if we limit our understanding of evangelism to the smaller part or understand our church bit as what it means to be church, then we may miss out on the amazing opportunities before each one of us in our everyday lives and together we will be the much poorer for it. You see, we never cease to be church. Each Christian, for the majority of the week, is already sent and scattered out there, being church, in our homes, amongst our neighbours, our friends, our families, those we work with, we study with, we socialise with, those we laugh with, those we cry with. You see, Jesus also spoke about his followers being just like salt. Salt finds its purpose and makes a difference when it is applied to or into other things. So it is with Christians, or uh, we could call Christians as the little Christs, as the 